Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing okay in this zombie apocalypse that we are in. I want to talk about something positive today, but that's going to be a little difficult and tone deaf to not talk at all about what's going on in the country right now, so I will have to take a few minutes to do that. But after all the depressing commentary on the country on fire here, I do want to talk about what Biden's dream team will look like and what it might be able to accomplish, and I think this will be definitely a little bit more uplifting. But again, it would be tone deaf to not talk about the national protests that have the country in flames right now. These all obviously are coming out of the brutal police white supremacist murder of Mr. Floyd um, in Minnesota. And, you know, just the, the simmering, you know, anger over just the incredible police brutality and just really societal brutality against black and brown people that has gone on for 400 years and doesn't seem to ever stop. I will do a much longer episode on this, although as you all know who are listeners of this show that, you know, racial issues and racial justice are something I talk about quite frequently. The first thing obviously to remember here is none of this is new. This is this is our history. America is a white supremacist nation, period, end of story, no discussion, no opinion, straight fact. Many of our key institutions that are still operative, the Electoral College, the fact that people from Wyoming and South Dakota get two senators, uh, which is the same as people from California or Texas or Florida, is white supremacy. Our core structures of our government are simmering and steeped in white supremacy. Uh, then when we elect a white supremacist con man to president, we make a white supremacist lunatic, the most powerful man in the country and perhaps the world, that was a clear signal that it was going to get worse. And the reason is two plus two equals four. It's a straight line from voting for a white supremacist for president to inflaming racial tensions, right? These things go hand in hand. And those people who thought, you know, oh, I know Trump's a little racist, but he's going to mix up the system and, you know, fight for me, whatever, you were wrong. And first of all, he didn't do shit for you. And second of all, you don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to say, well, I don't like the racism, but I like the tax cuts. You know, you get it all. When you vote for a lunatic like this, you get it all. And we have a president now who sees fires. He sees a nation on fire and he doesn't go, oh my God, I have to run to the rescue and heal the nation. He looks and grabs a gasoline canister to throw gas on the fire. This is the scandal. 
The president is an arsonist, right? He is the enemy of the people. He is here to wreak havoc and violence on people who he perceives as his enemies, which are our fellow U.S. citizens. Now, the fact that 65 million Americans cheer him on and support him shows how deep this racism is. Because again, you can't separate it out. And I'm not saying every five, every one of those 65 million Americans are deep racist, but they're, they're at least racist light. Because if you support racism, you're part racist, right? It's just, again, it's two plus two equals four. You can't support an out-and-out racist and not be a little racist yourself, right? It just And so that just shows how deep it is. And many of those 65 million love him and love what's going on. And that shows how deep the racism is. I do want to take a moment to just say, you know, most of Trump's supporters, the ones at the rallies, you know, the people from... You know, the dregs here who probably have pretty hard lives and, you know, I, you know, have gotten caught up in this right wing madness. Those aren't the core supporters, right? The core supporters are the rich country club Republicans writing the million dollar checks because they'll do anything for a tax cut and a right wing nut job judge who's going to shield them from liability. And they know what's going on. They hate Trump. They would never spend a minute with Trump. But they support him because they're greedy and they're sociopathic. They just simply don't care. They will burn this country to the fucking ground for what they want. They are sociopaths. And again, this is right away what white supremacy does to a country, to a people. It destroys people and turns them into monsters, right? You know, now, of course, the black people who are being killed and murdered and brutalized by police have it worse than the white country club guy who is, you know, become a sociopath because of their greed and their racism. But they are both victims. Right. You know, these people who are, you know, cheering on this madness, you know, these are not full human beings. And you can only imagine the horrors in their own personal lives if that's how sick a person and damaged a person you are that this type of insanity is something you actually support. Now, this is going to take a lot of time and hard work to undo the damage, right? It's been 400 years. We were making some progress under Obama and now that's been reversed and a lot of stuff has been trashed. I'm a privileged white man, okay? I recognize that. I have money, I live in Central California, and I'm not being stopped by cops for no reason and fucked with all the time, right? But I want to do the work, right? I want to help. I want to be an agent of change because I want my black brothers and sisters and Asian brothers and sisters and Native American brothers and sisters to have the exact, and I mean exact, same rights as I do and the same opportunities. I want a truly equal country. Right. And so we need everyone to step up and defeat this evil decisively at the polls in November. That's step one, period. Right. We can talk about how, you know, electing Joe Biden and defeating Trump is not going to be the end all be all. Of course, it's not. But that is the first thing we need to do is really come together and turn the page on this fucking nightmare. So that was my few minutes on the current topic at hand. Um, But I want to now talk about Biden's dream team, because the Democrats have a really deep bench of talent to draw on 
to put together a fantastic cabinet and administration to actually do some great things when we finally turn the page. So after the break, I'm going to discuss both why these personnel choices are going to be so extra important under a potential Biden administration, and I'm going to give you some of my top picks, the people I would like to see leading some of the agencies uh, in a, a new administration next year. Okay, so why are Biden's picks going to be particularly important this time around? Obviously, they're always important, right? If all goes well, we are going to crush the GOP in November. And I mean fucking obliterate them and begin the phase of sending them into the dustbin of history where they belong. And this will mean getting the Senate back, which will be a great thing, right? Mitch McConnell either defeated or in the minority. But the GOP will be right back to their dirty tricks of complete obstruction and relying on the nut jobs that they've packed the courts with to block the will of the people. This is the game plan. All Mitch McConnell has ever cared about is getting the courts packed with these lifetime appointments so that no matter what Dem administration comes in, they'll just leave it up to the courts to block the stuff. He isn't interested in legislating. He doesn't care about doing anything for the American people. And as soon as a, you know, a Biden administration is sworn in, they'll just try to tank the economy and do everything so that they can regain power. So any big legislation Biden will be able to get through will have to go through what's called the reconciliation process in the Senate, where you only need uh, 51 votes. There's a lot of limits on what you can do through reconciliation, but fortunately, you can actually spend quite a lot of money. That's how the uh, Republicans rammed through their $2 trillion tax cut. Uh, so I can imagine we will be ramming through at least $2 trillion of new spending through reconciliation. And a lot of it on green energy development and climate change stuff. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. So there will be some really um, big things going on. And I think Biden is thinking big. Uh, but the U.S. is going to be in a depression. Right? We're going to be in a really hard spot and uh, we're going to want to do a lot of things after four years of just chaos and destruction. There's everything from health care and immigration and education and student loans and housing. I mean, there are so many things. It's going to be hard to do it all through legislation because it's going to be a small window and the Republicans will try to block everything. So that means a lot of changes legislatively that we can't get through reconciliation are going to just simply be blocked, right? So again, my, my, my guess is the focus on the new stimulus money to restart the economy will be very focused on climate change and workers' rights. Maybe some tweaks to health care in there, but I think you know we see all the, quote, essential workers who are treated like shit in our society. So I think everything from kind of minimum wage and paid sick leave, that kind of stuff, and then I think the stimulus money is going to be very climate focused, which is going to be great. So 
department heads, the heads of agencies, will be very, very key in implementing major changes to immigration, to environmental policy, to voting rights, to criminal justice reform. And also, here is key, they're going to have to do it in a really, really smart way that can prevent judicial tampering, right? So the right-wing nut jobs that are on the courts are going to be ready for any progressive policy to try to undermine it. But because they try to keep a fig leaf of respectability, they have to try to do it, which isn't just so blatant. And so that means if we have smart people in these administration, administrative heads, they can craft regulatory language, policy language that might be at least impervious to some meddling by the right-wing justices on the different courts. Just as a, a side note, you know, Trump is such an incompetent idiot that many of his department heads have actually, in trying to knock down Obama's stuff, have been unsuccessful because they haven't made their cases in a sound way and the courts have knocked them down, right? Now, this is going to be hard work, though, right? Running these agencies is going to be really hard. So we need really top people at the helm and with incredibly competent staff. And here's where Joe Biden is maybe one of the better candidates, right? Um, he has a huge Rolodex of you know people from three decades in government. So they're going to be ready day one to come in with thousands of people who are deeply motivated, deeply competent. Think about it, Democratic operatives, liberal people who have been on the sidelines watching the chaos and destruction and are going to be so eager to join a new administration to rebuild the country. So let's talk about some of the leading contenders for some of these agencies. Um, obviously, the VP is going to be very important. And I think this is going to be even more so than usual because I think Biden is going to put the vice president in charge of some really major policy initiatives and also oversee major reconstruction dollars. For those of you who don't know, Biden was actually put in charge of the stimulus bill oversight by, by Obama, and it was one of the least corrupt uh, spending programs ever in U.S. history. So Biden has a good track record there, and I think he's going to want his VP to do some of the same type of work. I've already stated that I think Stacey Abrams uh, would be my number one pick, uh, and I'll talk about why in a second. But I think there are also many other very competent women, including uh, Elizabeth Warren, Susan Rice, and many female Democratic governors that would be outstanding. So I, I do think let's look for just a, a rock star female vice president. My personal expertise from my work is in environmental policy, and I'm hearing rumors that Jay Inslee, governor of Washington, is being vetted for to be the EPA pick for Biden. This would be absolutely fantastic. It was some of the best news I had heard in a long time. Because Jay Inslee, as a Democratic candidate for president, had the most serious and comprehensive climate change plan of all the candidates. This would signal incredible seriousness on the climate front from the Biden team and really put the best team possible in charge of the EPA. Now, I would also wouldn't mind someone like a Bill McKibben to be the head of the EPA, someone who's going to go after the fossil fuel industry hard and really kick them when they're down, uh, which is what they deserve of polluting the world for decades and lying and, and distorting climate science. I'm not so sure Bill McKibben would even want the position, but somebody serious like him. But to be honest, Jay Inslee is definitely the best possible pick, and I hope that comes through. I think the second most important pick is going to be the Attorney General. 
Bill Barr, in my view, is the most evil man in the United States. He's the worst attorney general in U.S. history. He's just the most corrupt, debased, and sociopathic um, individual. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he's just such a lying piece of shit that the Justice Department is in such a huge mess right now. So rebuilding the Justice Department and fighting corruption and fighting voter suppression is going to be so, so key. So we're going to need someone really strong for this. Some people are saying Kamala Harris from California, given her you know, former role as a prosecutor. I'm not so sure about that because she has a mixed record from her time in California. Some people don't think she was really that good on criminal justice reform. Here's another role where I could even see Stacey Abrams being the head of the Department of Justice because she's so strong on voting rights and really making the central mission of the Department of Justice, you know, expanding voting rights, I think, and, you know, and, and civil rights more generally. So those could be, you know, that could be awesome. I think there, then we have, you know, the Treasury Secretary. This is going to be incredibly important, too, because we got, you know, trillions in bailout money sloshing around the system. We want someone who's going to be a good cop on the beat. Here's where I could see Elizabeth Warren, if she's not the VP, being an outstanding Treasury Secretary and really going hard on cracking down on Wall Street corruption. Could be an outstanding position for her. Um, you know, Secretary of State, I'm thinking Mayor Pete is just, this has his name all over it, right? Someone who could really bring back credibility to, to America and promote human rights. Uh, I think it would be the first openly gay Secretary of State in U.S. history. Another just horrible horror show has been Mike Pompeo's uh, reign as Secretary of State. You know, read about Mike Pompeo if you have the stomach. He's just, again, another horrible um, demagogue and really done some damage over there. So someone like Mayor Pete, jovial, young, enthusiastic, you know, strong human rights background. I think he would be outstanding and it really also set him up for future leadership in the Democratic Party. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of specific agencies is health and human services. And here's where I'm just going to throw a little Hail Mary pass. I'd say make Bernie Sanders the head of health and human services, right? Not so sure he would want this position, but it would allow him to finally get deep into health policy. And, you know, he's not going to get his Medicare for all, but he could be a really strong advocate for consumers and against the pharmaceutical companies and the insurance companies. And I just think, you know, Bernie Sanders as head of health and human services could be outstanding. Um, not so sure, again, he would take it or uh, Biden would really offer it to him, but that's my Hail Mary pick. Um, so after the break, I'll talk a little bit more about Biden's aspirations, which I think are a lot bigger than most people think. Okay, so 
for those out there who are progressive and more on the, you know, the farther left end of the spectrum, I know Biden is not a super inspiring presidential candidate. He was not even in my top five choices, right? Um, and he certainly wasn't promising big things when he was running. He was more of a kind of status quo, get back to normal kind of thing. Um, but he's promising big things now. You know, I will say everything I've been hearing from him and his camp is incredibly encouraging. I think he gets the moment he in, he's in. He gets that this is an FDR-style moment when we can really look at the structural problems in America and try to make some big changes. Obviously, America being the system it is, we're not going to get you know done as much as we should or as much as we need to. But I think he's going to step up. And I want to be clear here that Biden's policy platform currently, right, and it has, I'm sure it will only get more progressive over time, is the most progressive platform in U.S. history. So I want to repeat this and I want to guarantee this. The platform that Joe Biden will present at the Democratic Convention for president in 2020 will be the most liberal and progressive platform ever in U.S. history. Way more than Obama's, way more than Hillary's in 2016. So many on the left will probably laugh at me saying this, but it's actually the truth. And I just want to say that the left really needs to take yes for an answer. You're winning. In less than a decade, you have radically moved the goalposts in the Democratic Party so that even someone as centrist as Biden, old school as Biden, is promising what a decade ago would have been considered radical and unthinkable. And now he's promising it. Point number two here. Politicians often and most often follow through on their promises. Everyone say, oh, politicians lie all the time and you can never trust them. That's the opposite from the truth. If you want to see what politicians are going to do in office, see what they say they are going to do before they get into office and they actually do it. Now, again, Trump did all the horrible stuff he said he was going to do and none of the good stuff because he's a fucking liar and, you know, he's the outlier. But for every normal politician, they really do hold themselves to their agenda. Does that mean they can do everything? Of course not. But that, that it's a good marker. And his is incredibly progressive. Now, of course, by global standards, his policies are not super progressive. If you compare it to, you know, Sweden or Germany or France. But remember why that is. That's because the right wing in America is off the charts insane, Right. This is the baseline against which Democrats have to work with, right? Conservative parties in Europe don't have, I mean, sorry, liberal parties in Europe don't have conservative parties who are against everything good for society, right? You know, conservatives across Europe believe in climate change and gun control and universal health care and free education. So, you know, if you're a liberal party there, it's easy to be really, really far left because the conservatives are super left also. And so, you know, you have to have some space in between, right? But the point is here is we can get there. It's going to take decades, but we can become much closer to our European contemporaries. And Biden is stepping up to the plate. If you haven't seen his campaign videos, check them out. Uh, I will put one of my favorites in the show notes here. And I think it's just really good. And I'm just impressed. You know, again, I was not a fan of Joe, but I'm really starting to... Uh, Appreciate that he's stepping up to the moment. Um, so, 
you know, the last point I'll make here, coming back to the, the current topic, you know, while the cities are burning across the United States, Joe Biden is out there meeting with protesters. He's going out in the streets, meeting with protesters, while Agent Orange is, you know, literally hiding in a bunker tweeting. Okay, and so, you know, say what you will about Joe, but he is stepping up. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so the antidote for today, unity, 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 vote, 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 and volunteer. The Senate map is greatly expanding. We have great Senate candidates in Georgia, North Carolina, Montana, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Kentucky, Maine. I mean, it's, you know, we have a wide map and the more, you know, we can, more votes we get in the Senate, the easier it's going to be to pass progressive legislation. So volunteer, volunteer for a voter rights group like Stacey Abrams Fair Fight or Environmental Voter Project or Swing Left or Blue Future, right? Donate money to these groups and to the candidates, right? Don't leave anything in the tank this time, please. This is going to be the most important election of our lifetimes. It is less than five months away, right? And so we really need to step up, right? The only possible way we'll have a more important election in our lifetime is if, you know, an alien civilization comes down and one candidate wants to fight them and one wants to make peace with them. You know, I'll give, grant you that. That might be a more consequential election. But this is between evil and fascism and democracy and decency. That's what this is. This is, you know, as black and white as it comes. So, you know, I hope you are staying, you know, safe, doing your social distancing and protecting those around you. You know, my heart goes out to all those who are the, you know, the victims of police brutality and the continuing police brutality in this country. It is wrong. It is part of uh, the fabric of our nation that we must purge. We must get beyond this. Uh, the only way we can do this is to get these sociopathic lunatics out of office and then really work hard to build a better nation. So with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please uh, share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, everybody, take care.